Shall we just pray together? I know we have prayed, but it's always good to bring our prayers before the Lord as we prepare our hearts to receive the word of the Lord here today. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes to us, Lord. You are our Heavenly Father, the Father of lights, who doesn't change like shifting shadows, but is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we just want to thank you and celebrate your faithfulness to us, Lord. Despite some of the challenges that we face, and will continue to face, Lord, we just thank you that you are the Lord of heaven and earth. You are the God who reigns in glory, and that your word will never fall, and it will never fail. So, Lord, we just come before you now today and just pray for your blessing to be upon us as we come around your word. Lord, we pray you might speak into our hearts and change our lives. Amen. I'd like us to read again from the book of the prophet Habakkuk. Last week we read a few verses out of chapter 1 and gave something of the background to this rather intriguing prophecy. I use the word intriguing because... Most of the prophets, as we read of them in the Old Testament, whether be they be major or minor, were those who actually received God's word, and then having received God's word, then went and declared God's word to whosoever God commanded. So they were, as we would call them, the speaking prophets. There were also those who you could describe as the writing prophets, who didn't necessarily preach sermons, but rather recorded messages. Now Habakkuk sits very much in a unique context because he wasn't so much someone who brought God's word to Israel, but rather he was one who, as an intercessor, wrestled with the purposes of God. And we read of this last week, how the prophet was wrestling with the fact that iniquity within the nation of Israel seemed to go unpunished. God was turning a blind eye to sin and rebelliousness. And God replied to the prophet and said, you've got to widen your vision. You've got to see things from a different perspective. So therein began a conversation that the prophet had with God. And I want us to move on to chapter 2, reading the opening few verses, where we have the ongoing response that the prophet made towards the word of the Lord. And this is what he says. I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Again, another familiar passage that we find in the New Testament, in Hebrews, in Galatians, and in the book of Romans, concerning justification by faith and this is the word of the Lord that actually the prophet received and we find it then interwoven into our understanding of faith and salvation in the New Testament. 
So we have here Habakkuk the wrestler rather than Habakkuk the prophet. And as I've said, he came before the Lord and he couldn't make sense of why sin had remained unpunished. How could a holy God allow for unrighteousness to go unchecked? And that was the first qualm that the prophet had and he wrestled with this. As indeed we as Christians very often can wrestle trying to make sense of the purposes of God, can't we? How many of you have ever sat down and thought, what on earth is going on? I've prayed about this, and yet things seem to go from bad to worse. I look for the light at the end of the tunnel, and it only appears to be an oncoming train. (laughs) Circumstances seem to go from bad to worse, and yet I've prayed, and yet a holy God in hears seemingly has not answered. Well, God said, look, my response to that is you've got to widen your vision. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians, and I'm going to use them as a rod of chastisement to punish Israel. So sin has not been swept under the carpet, but there is a timing for when God's will and purpose will be fulfilled. So that was the answer to the first question. Now, the second question came out of that answer. So then the prophet said, well, God, if you're a holy God, how can you raise up an unholy nation to punish Israel? That seems like a contradiction. You're raising up one unholy group to punish your covenant nation. Well, God answers the question very clearly in chapter 2. And he says, well, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians and they will punish Israel, which is what happened. But then I'm going to turn around and punish Babylon for doing it. Now, we need to understand something of the divine sovereignty of God's will. That might seem to be inconsistent. God raises up one group and then punishes them for the very thing that he's raised them up to do. But that is the mystery of God's will, isn't it? We find this in the book of Romans, how Paul wrestled with the issue of God's sovereign purpose for Israel and said that God is the potter and Israel, his people, are the clay. And God is sovereign in all things and he is a God of justice, mercy and truth. So therein lies the challenges that the prophet wrestled with. And then he says, and this is between the first answer and the second answer, he says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So God has answered the first question. He's going to raise up the Babylonians. The prophet then takes this very significant step whereby he would become, as it were, a soldier ascending a watchtower. But also he would become a seer who would wait to hear what God would say to him. And I was just looking at this passage of scripture over the last few days. Now I just felt I wanted to share something of what I believe the word of the Lord, not only in how it relates to Israel, but also how I believe we can be spoken to in our own hearts. It is clear that the prophet came to a point where he was struggling to make sense of the will and purpose of God. He was struggling to come to terms with this seemingly contradiction between 
the holiness of God and the unholiness of God's people. And I'm sure we could reflect even in our day and generation as to how do we make sense of God's will? How do we navigate our way through the seemingly landmine-filled world in which we live? How do we people, how do we as God's people understand the will and purpose of the Lord? Well, I believe that there are times and seasons in our lives. We know this in nature. We have times and seasons, don't we? We have winter, spring, autumn. We have summer. And each season brings a different aspect of creation. We might see winter as a place where things have died. Autumn is a place where things begin to die. Spring is a place where new life begins. And summer is the place where we celebrate everything that is new. And I think in all of our lives we go through different seasons, don't we? Maybe some of you are going through an autumnal season where seemingly it would appear that things that you thought were familiar are suddenly dying. But autumn and winter is always in preparation for a springtime, isn't it? It's always in preparation for new beginnings. So this wonderful cycle of nature speaks to us, I believe, of the purposes of God. Now, the prophet Habakkuk, I believe, was going through similar seasons. Called of God, set apart by the Lord, and yet he was facing this wintry period where nothing seemed to make sense. And in that season, what does he do? He says, I'm going to become a soldier. I'm going to ascend my watchtower. And I'm going to station myself on that tower. The watchtower was something that was a place of vision, a place of perspective, but obviously in a military context, a soldier was positioned on a watchtower in order to go up higher, in order that he might see further. So if there was any impending threat from foreign armies, he would be the first to see. And therefore, having seen, he would then have to warn those within the city. So the soldier on the watchtower was the eyes of the city. <laughs> And they had the responsibility to report back whatever they saw in order, if there was a threat, then the people in the city could be warned and prepared. And I think this is significant for us here today. Because I think that there might be times and seasons that we're in whereby there are no answers to some of the challenges that we face. But God is always speaking. In the Old Testament, God spoke at many times and in various ways through the prophets. It was neither continuous, neither was it complete. But under the new covenant, it is a continuous word. God is speaking to us today. Do you believe that? The word of the Lord is coming to us, both through his written record, which is the Bible, and through the word of the Spirit as we pray and seek the Lord, the living word and the written word coming together, bringing us God's final revelation. But the prophet here would say that he would stand at his watch post. 
and he would look out to see what God would say to him. Now, this is almost a contradiction. You usually see things with your eyes and hear things with your ears. But the prophet is saying here, I will look out to see what he will say. In other words, the unfolding of God's will was not only in terms of what the prophet would hear, but also what the prophet would see. Your perspective shapes your world. John, in the book of Revelation, chapter 4 and verse 1, was given this wonderful invitation to come up here, that he would see things that had never been seen before, to write down things that he'd never written down before, to send that message to seven churches who'd never received the word of the Lord before in this way. But in order for John to receive what he'd never received before, he had to go to a place where he'd never been before. And the Bible says in chapter 1 of Revelation that it was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I believe that for every single one of us, and this is the point that I really wanted to make clear here today, is that I believe that God is calling us, as Habakkuk positioned himself, to come up higher, to do as the prophet did, to take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower, seeing a vision from God and hearing the voice of God was the all-consuming passion that the prophet had. He was intrigued as to what the Lord would say and then the Lord answered him and we'll be looking at this next week the lord says you've got to write the vision down with big bold letters so that someone who is running past can read it this vision awaits an appointed time and even though you have to wait and wait a bit more and maybe wait even more there is a defining moment there is an appointed season when the vision that I reveal will come to pass. Even though it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. God's timing is different than our timing. God's ways are higher than our ways, aren't they? But God says there's coming a vision. He then talks about the fact that the righteous shall live by faith. And this opens up the floodgates of God's mercy. That actually when it comes to making sense of the will of God, whatever's taking place in the present needs to be seen within the context of God's bigger plan. That the prophet had to see beyond his own temporal age and generation to see that there's coming a new way that God would actually relate to his people. Yes, judgment would come, and that would be for a season, but there's a bigger picture, as indeed there is for us all today, isn't there? And that's why we have to widen our vision. And as the prophet was commanded here, he had to then wait on the Lord and to write the vision down, to make it plain, so that others might read it. And this vision has a time scale to it. 
And this is why perseverance is so important when it comes to our own walk of faith, isn't it? Because faith and hope are the two things that undergird faith. Perseverance and hope interlock to provide the foundation for our faith. And it's in the waiting that often we learn the greatest lessons, isn't it? Because waiting time is not wasted time. We often think that a delay is a denial. But my understanding of the Bible and God's purposes for his people is that very often every single person whom the Lord used and released into ministry had to go through these seasons where they had to wait upon the Lord. Because God had something to say. And really in a nutshell here today, that is my message to us. I love what Isaiah said. He said, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Now the word wait is not a passive sense. It's not as it were being sat in a doctor's waiting room where you're just waiting for your name to appear on the board and you're just twiddling your thumbs and reading the magazines and you're just bored. To wait will paint a picture of a restaurant with a waiter. So to wait upon the Lord means that we're serving, aren't we? We're actively engaged with God's will. Even though we're not sure how that will will unfold, we're actually committed to doing what God's called us to do. Even though things may not make sense and loose ends remain untied, we are actively about our Father's business. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And we're in a season, and will be for a while, where we need to wait upon the Lord. Our strength can only be renewed to the degree to which we are willing to seek the face of God. And that's what the prophet was commanded. To wait. Because God had something to say that would shape his world and our world from that day on. And it's all about relationship with him. It's not what's going on around us that really matters, although that is important. It's what's going on within us. Our own walk and our relationship with God himself. So as we come back to the message here today, the first thing that God said is that you've got to widen your vision, chapter 1. Then the second thing that God has said is that you've got to wait on me. We have to wait upon the Lord. Because God wants to speak into our hearts. We've got to drown out the noise. You know, even the fear, the anxiety, the uncertainty. The overload of media information. The fake news. All of this and more. We need to be a people who station ourselves on the watchtower that God's given us. Ezekiel himself was commissioned as a watchman to bring God's word 
to Israel itself. And as he would receive the word of the Lord, so he would then be faithful in declaring God's word. So today my message is very simple, and with this I close. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Not may or might, but shall renew their strength. This week, let us be a people who wait upon him. And we'll be amazed as to what God will do. Not necessarily next week or the week after, but there's a vision that awaits an appointed time. Amen. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you because your word is unchanging. It is true. And we just pray, O oh God, that you might sow this word into our hearts. In the name of Jesus. Amen.